Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be starting at verse 13, and just a short review, reminding ourselves that Peter is writing to a church that is undergoing tremendous persecution and suffering. He is writing to people who believe in Christ, but are having a hard time because of the difficulties of life because of the persecution from the government and from other religious leaders. And so he's writing to encourage them, and he, he starts off by helping them to see that there's been so much done for them, that they've been brought into a living hope, that they've been brought into an inheritance that they have a faith that is more precious than gold, a faith that is producing salvation. And that salvation, again, is not just uh, uh, you're not going to hell, you're going to heaven. It's a salvation that talks about their life is being made whole. And so this is going for them. This is so precious. Angels have longed to look into these things, he tells them. And they've been brought into this glory. But in the midst of this, there are still the difficulties that they're going through. And so as he's telling them these things, he's encouraging them to continue, that it's worthwhile, that this is something that is going to happen in them, the salvation that's going to take place. It's going to be revealed to them, or it has been revealed to them through the prophets through years ago, that this is something that God has been planning. And really what he's starting to do here is let them know that this that is happening to you, the the Messiah coming and the persecution, it's nothing new. God knew about it. God has seen this, that you're actually a part of something that is going somewhere that you're not just out in no man's land wandering aimlessly, that you're a part of something that's tremendous. And he's wanting them to embrace those things. So let's start at verse 13. It says, Therefore, 
Prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Let's stop there. We're going to go further, but let's stop there. You know, imagine you went into this shop, like an old, I don't know, a thrift shop. And outside the thrift shop, there was this bowl that they had some dirt in and a plant that was dead, right? Like so many plants are around our house right now because of the heat, right? Because the, the, the plant is just dead and it's there and the bowl is just funky. It's been, the mud has, you know, from when they've watered it years ago, it's crusted on the side of it. And you see that bowl and you go and you think that really has the possibility to be a great bowl. And so you go to the owner and you say, you know what, I'd like to get that bowl. He goes, oh, that's not even for sale. That's just, we've had that. I don't even remember. Well, can I buy it? And he goes, sure, you can buy that. You know, well, how much? You know, $5. Okay, you buy this bowl for $5. And you take it home and you clean out the dirt and, and you wash it up and it starts to just come out that it's a nice porcelain bowl. And it's got this beautiful design on it that wasn't seen because of all the dirt. And you wash it really, really good. And you think, this is an amazing bowl. And it becomes a bowl that you start to use. And actually, you're able to use it for serving. You have fruit salads in that. And you have potato salads. And you have salad salads. You know, you have all kinds. And so now this bowl is being used on a regular basis on your table. And people come over and they go, that's a beautiful bowl. Where'd you get that? I got it at this thrift shop. It was just, had some dirt in it and a dead plant, but I thought it would be beautiful. And look at it, it's great. Yeah, you might not say that if they're eating fruit salad out of it. But (laughs) so you go there and, and now this bowl is being useful. It's got purpose. And imagine that this thrift store owner, you know, happens to come by your house one time and, and you invite him, hey, come in here. And he goes, oh, that's a lovely bowl. He goes, yeah, that was the bowl that you sold me for $5. And he goes, oh, wow, I'd, I'd like that bowl back. And you're like, no, you can't have it back. That's my bowl now. I bought it and, and it's not yours. And he's like, well, I, I, you know, I really think it would be good for my plant again. And it's like, no, this bowl has a different purpose. And you see, that's what Peter is trying to convey to us. He, he's helping us to understand that we need to see that we have a purpose that is much bigger than the way we were living. That there is value in who we are now, that there is beauty in who we are now, and that we've been purchased Verse 18, he's going to talk about this redemption. And this is what really this epistle is about, is about the value that God saw in buying us back, which is what redeem means, to buy back. And that we have to start seeing that we are not an old bowl filled with the dirt, that we are actually useful in a regular basis and can be 
a centerpiece for conversation. And it's important that we recognize these things because that's where he's pushing us to when he says, therefore, in light of how much God has done for you, you've been called into this living hope that you have an inheritance that angels have longed to look into, that you have been bought with this precious price that is more value than gold. Therefore, he says, prepare your mind for action. What powerful words. Prepare your mind for action. What does that invoke in you? It reminds me of like if you're into sports and you're preparing for a game. You ever see these guys when they're getting ready, whether it be a fighter, uh, football, basketball, doesn't matter the sport, they psych themselves up, right? Because I'm going into the game. I got to be focused. I got to be on my game. I got to push away the distraction. And it's amazing to me. There could be 30,000 people yelling and I have to be focused. I have to sink that basket. I have to hit that, you know, whatever it is, that path. I have to do my job. I can't be distracted. And so they're preparing their mind for action. Or maybe it's a job that you're doing, something that you're having to focus on. You have to prepare your mind. Man, I've got a hard day at work. And so you get up early, you get your coffee, and you get psyched up to go into work. Why? Because I got to prepare my mind for action. So what is he telling us to do? What action are we supposed to prepare our mind for? What is he wanting us to be looking towards? This is where he's leading us. Prepare your minds for action discipline yourselves. That's fun, right? Everyone on board for some disciplining yourselves, right? And this can mean a lot of things, but really what it means is take control of your life. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Peter is going to be drawing on some of the prophet's from Isaiah, from Zechariah, as this epistle goes on. And he's going to look back to their days, realizing that what they talked about is actually what is happening, that they knew God and more grace was coming and that that grace would rescue the people from where they were and what they had been. And it would give them a new destiny and a glorious hope And he's helping them to see that they're living in that time now. They're preparing their mind for action, that they're disciplining themselves so that they can be a part of this work that God has been planning to do for the ages. And maybe when you start to hear these kinds of things, you know, discipline yourself, you know, set your hope on the grace of the Lord Jesus is going to bring you. Verse 14, like obedient children, don't be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, he who is called is holy. You yourselves called you to holy and be holy even as he is holy. It's like, yeah, I knew it was going to come to this. You know, you talk about grace, you talk about love, and then bam, we got to do this stuff, right? Now I've got to quit doing these things and start doing these things. And we start looking at this as something that we have to get rid of and something that we have to do. And holiness becomes stop doing bad things, start doing good things, and then get into this, you know, religion. Our minds can go there. But that's not where Peter 
is taking us. He's not taking us to a list of things you're supposed to stop doing and of things that you're supposed to start doing. And the idea here of obedient children and that you have been called as from a father, invoked as a father, has to do with relationship. That you've been brought into a family and this family has a destination. This family is going somewhere and you're now a part of it. And so what you're disciplining yourself for is for the journey that you find yourself now in. Because if it's about stop doing and start doing things, man, I know myself pretty well. And I know I've already lost this holiness thing if it's up to me, right? I've got to just be holy and do all the good things. I'll just tap out now, okay? Because probably tonight I'm going to get upset at something. I'll probably, you know, get frustrated. Who knows? I might, you know, get envious. Who knows what will happen? I'm not going to tell you all the things going to happen. But there's a good chance that I am going to fail in this idea of holiness. And I would bet money that you will too. That makes me feel better, okay? And so if it's just a matter of this, what I do and what I don't do, at the end of the day, I'm still Sam. And that's who I am. And this is my limits. And this is as far as I can go. And if God is expecting me to just pull up my bootstraps and try harder, that does not sound like a fun thing. That does not sound like a great hope. In fact, that would be rather hopeless. And so he's not calling us into this place where we're supposed to do more, but he's calling us into a place where we are to understand what we are for. And that's why we are to look back at the things that we used to be involved in, where we are to recognize that we're going to set our hope on the grace that is in Christ, which belongs to us. We're not going to be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. I was just a dirty bowl with a plant. I didn't know I had a purpose. I didn't know that I could be cleaned up and be of value. You see, and all the things that I wanted, the things that I would live for, that those things had no future. But now I am in a place where I actually do have a future. And so to discipline myself with the understanding that if I have a future, what are the things that would prepare me for this future that God has? Well, if I'm going to be a child of the Father, and again, holiness is relational. It's about being involved with this relationship. It's about understanding that to be the, father, to be the child of our Heavenly Father, that I am going to be influenced by who he is. I'm going to have conduct that is going to be consistent with who he is because I am his child. Not because I have to follow a list of laws or rules. It really has to do more with the things that we want to see take place in this relationship.
And so it's really important that we start to understand this direction, these guidelines, that we start to move ourselves forward with this anticipation because the desires that we used to have didn't of value to anything. We're now to set our minds ready for action, discipline our life for the future that God has for us. And it's tremendous. And we probably have no idea how incredible it is, or we would be so much more engaged in it. You know, I I think, why is it so hard to take time aside and just pray? I'm so tired. But I can watch four hours of Netflix like that, (laughs) right? I just click next, and I'll just watch the next episode. Oh, I can't end here. The next episode, three, I can do one more. You know, the next episode. It's like, that's no problem. But to take 20 minutes and just read or to pray or to meditate on the Lord, that's so difficult. And you see, we really need to discipline ourselves in these areas so that we can recognize that we are part of something much bigger, something much more, something that's going to take place within our lives. There's participation in this salvation that he's talking about, not to be saved, but to develop this salvation within us. The preparing our minds for action, the disciplining ourselves, setting our hopes on the grace of Jesus Christ. This is active participation in the relationship that we have to God, in the participation with our Heavenly Father and all that that relationship entails. And it's about the desires we have to be in this relationship. It's about the desire that we want to see take place within our lives. We need to recognize these things so that we don't get lost in them. Hold on a second. I just need to turn something off. It's real important that we stay involved in this relationship. We stay involved in this dynamic participation. Notice in verse 17, it says, If you invoke or call on your father, the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without detect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him, you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. These desires that we had We are now to put desires in what is ours in our relationship with God. It's about establishing ourselves in this way so that we can recognize where God is taking us and how he is leading us in the future. 
And it's so strange that he says, if we're in this relationship with a God who, who judges impartially according to everyone's deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. Remember, exile has been a common theme throughout scripture. The children of Israel were constantly in exile. And now we're in this type of exile waiting for God to, to restore these things. But the idea of living in fear, it, it doesn't sound like fun. Reverent fear, it, it's like, what is that about? Because the most consistent command in all of scripture is don't fear. Fear not, right? It's throughout. Doesn't Peter know we're not supposed to fear? He knows. So what is he talking about when he says we're to live in this reverent fear? Reverent fear is to care more about this dynamic and relationship we're living in than it is to care about anything else. Remember, whatever you fear controls you. If you're afraid of the dark, you will not go out of the light. The, the fear of the dark has control over your life. If you're afraid of heights, you won't go up into high places because the fear of heights limits your accessibility to those places. So whatever we fear starts to take control. And so when we live in reverent fear to God is we give him total control. We're placing that fear on him. And I think what Peter is pushing us to is it would be a shame if we did not recognize the purpose and value that God has for us. It would be a tragedy. You know, if Sunday morning you came to Genesis and we were having a raffle, someone donated a Mercedes, you know, and I said, hey, someone donated a Mercedes. They wanted to give us to someone at, at the church. And so if anyone would like a Mercedes, um, you, all you need to do is fill out a raffle and your name goes in there and then you might win the Mercedes. You'd probably fill out the raffle. I would. Right, I don't know if I could, depending on how the things were. Right, you'd probably say, "Hey, it's not a big church. There's a good chance I can win." And so you'd fill out that, put your name and all the information. You'd put it in. You would be engaged because you want what you might be able to receive. But what if you just said, "Oh, it's just a raffle," and then you found out, you know, someone else won. Ben won the Mercedes, and ah, oh, Ben won the Mercedes. And you went home and you started complaining. Yeah, you know, they had a giveaway for a Mercedes. And, oh, yeah? What, ha what happened? Well, I didn't win. Who won? Ben won. Oh, how come, you know, what did you have to do? Well, I had to fill out a piece of paper. Did you fill it out? No. <laughs> well, what's the matter? Well, I still didn't win. I think so many times we think that we've entered into a relationship with Jesus and that's all we have to do. We don't have to engage in this relationship and that the, all the benefits and, and the rewards are going to come pouring in on us. Now, again, yeah, heaven is yours, but you don't understand that heaven isn't something you go to. Well, we can get there again. Heaven is supposed to be the place where you dwell now. 
that we are seated in heavenly places now, that we are supposed to be living in exciting relationship, a dynamic relationship with God now. And if you just keep waiting for something to happen, then you're going to go home bummed because Ben won the Mercedes and you got nothing. And you go through life and man, I can't believe how terrible things are. And I can't believe that this is, and you'll complain about this. And, and the world's got plenty to complain about, except for the people who are plugged in to the God who is doing everything. And they're excited about all that is happening in spite of the tragedy, in spite of the difficulty, they see themselves as being useful and a part of it. Oh, yes, this is happening. Isn't it amazing that we live at a time where we can be the change that redeems these things in the world, that we can be a part of the work of God now? Isn't that exciting? What do we have to do? Well, you have to fill out your paperwork. You got to sign the name. You've got to put this in. You have to set your minds for action. You have to be disciplined. You have to be recognizing that you're in a relationship with God, that you are holy because he is holy. You're in line with what he is doing and what's happening in him and through him. It's really important that we see these things. It's about that dynamic of the relationship. And you see, this is taking place. Verse 18, you know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your answers. You were just a bowl of dirt and a dead flower in it. You, you know that that's what you used to be. Your ancestors, he's talking about the children of Israel, that they had been in exile, but they had waited for a promise. You know that they've been sitting there, but they've been ransomed now through Christ, that you've inherited that feudal ways from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's what bought us back, like the lamb without defect or blemish. And verse 20, it says, he was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. God did this for you. And notice too, it says at the end of the ages, and this is when Peter wrote this. When is the end? Well, it was back then. So it's still here now. The whole purpose is God did this for your sake. This is done for you. Why? That's the grace that we have hope in, that we would live up to the value that God has given to us. That we would have that kind of focus. that we would have that mind to action because this was all done for you. And so now here are these people suffering persecution, struggling, living, wondering what's going on. Why all these things happen? And Peter's writing, do you see where you are in this whole picture 
that all that has been done through Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that was all a part of the plan of God and that was all done for you so that he could take you, clean you up, put you on the table and you could be of value and of service for the things that he was doing. That's what holiness is about. That's what you were for. That's what we are for. And what a tremendous life he's called us into. We need to see and recognize this. There's an old writer, his name is Richard Sibbs, and he write, wrote this. He says, There is more righteousness in Christ, who is mine, than there is sin in me. There is more righteousness in Christ, who is mine, for your sake, than there is sin that is in me. If that's the case, set your mind to action to live for the righteousness that is in you, that was given to you for your sake, and discipline yourself. Start slow. You don't have to start big. Just be mindful of God throughout the day. Listen to some encouraging podcasts. Read some good books. Take time and just meditate on the Lord. Allow him to, to give you inspiration and direction. Think about what things could you do for God. Ask him, God, what things could I do for you? I've been real excited lately planning this Mexico trip. I'm thinking of all the things that I want to see take place. And you just start thinking about these things and I just get really excited because I think, man, wouldn't it be great if we could touch everyone who's going in this way to accomplish something along this lines. And I'm like, I'm texting Gabe. I'm saying, hey, do you think we could do this? And do you think we could do this? And it's just something that I'm starting to think. Why? Because, man, wouldn't it be great to see people's lives changed in a, a drastic and dynamic way just from small weekend to get that mind shift? You know, if we can change the way we think, we can change our world. If we would just have this preparation of our minds for action, what if we could do something that would prepare people's minds for action? What if we did something here tonight that prepares our minds for action? Starting some kind of discipline. There is more righteousness in Christ who is mine than there is sin that is in me. See, Psalmist in Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. You see, reverent fear is taking refuge in him. Reverent fear is, I want what you have, and I do not want to come up short. I don't want there to still be dirt in my bowl when I could have been on the table. I don't want to miss something that you had for me because I was too lazy. Because I watched too much Netflix. And I watch too much Netflix, I'm confessing. <laughs> Instead of devoting myself more in these other areas. Verse 7 
he said, so that the genuous of your faith being more precious than gold, that though perishes tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Notice he says that also in verse 13. Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. How and when is he revealed? Well, we believe that he will be revealed at one time when he returns. That'll be the ultimate revelation. But he's revealed in us when we set our minds to action. He's revealed in us when we are disciplined. He's revealed in us when we are setting our life with purpose apart for him. He's revealed in us when we take hold of the life that we've been called to be a part of. You know, this whole inheritance and this idea of predestination, it really, I think, is easy to see when we see it as being fulfilled in Christ and we are invited into that relationship, right? Christ was the one who was predestined. If we were to say, how did you receive your righteousness? It's through Jesus. I entered the relationship with him. His righteousness is mine. His calling is mine. I'm predestined to do good works that I've been called in from the foundation of the world. How am I predestined? Are there certain things like I was supposed to help that lady across the street today, but I forgot it? No, I'm called to be in Christ, and this work is taking place always. And so there's an open invitation to be as involved as you want to be because God has called you into the work of his son. And it's huge. And it's not limited except by our lack of discipline and our lack of desire for these things. And so Peter writing to these people who are going through tremendous persecution is giving this to them as hope. You guys, there's a purpose for you. You've been redeemed. God's going to clean you up, set you on the table. There's a car with your name on it. But you got to sign up. You got to play to win. You've got to be focused. So be focused. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that you would allow this reality to be our reality, that this fervor would be our fervor, that the desire that Peter was talking about would be our, our desire, that we would no longer desire just the futile things, Lord, but we would have a desire to be in a deeper relationship, Lord, that we would have a reverent fear of not receiving all that you have for us, Lord. And I pray, God, that this would spark us to think different. Lord, that our minds would be ready for action. Lord, that that would start now. Even now, we'd start to be thinking, what can I do? What does God want me to do? How can I be a part of what God is doing? Lord, how would you lead us? What can I step out in? What, what are the desires that you've put within me? How can I bring them out 
and influence those around me. Lord, may this provoke us. May this be what keeps us up at night instead of Netflix. And I do pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.